dad taught me all the things since I was a kid and as we were going out in the water, he said, do this. And I just realized it was bad. And now it's good now because I'm fishing good now. I got to fish good in my hand and in the water. My lines have never been tighter and you could be tight too. It's tight. Fish good. At Fish Good New York on Instagram. Manufactured on Long Island, New York. Fish Good, 1988. We're going to have to trim some of that fat off of this reed. Just a little bit. Handmade bucktail jigs. Fish Good. Want a one and a half ounce hot mouth bucktail. Fish Good. At Fish Good New York. (laughs) That's right. It's (laughs) heavyholdpodcast.com. It's the Heavyhold Podcast. We're here. Shakes out to our new sponsor, Fish Good. Manufactured on Long Island, New York. That's good. I, I <laughs> All right, I'm going to say it again. I love fishing. Yeah, good. I like fishing, We're definitely too. a product of the tri-state area. Who are you? Yeah. I'm Tom. Doesn't I'm Will. Matter, though. Yeah. I'm Justin. Hey. Hey, yeah. we're here. What's going on? Finally, I've done listening wow. to the one Stone Temple Pilot album I'd like, which is the one everybody else hates. Wait. Because it's got the song Plush on it. No, that's the one everyone else likes. I like it, too. That's, yeah, I'm, I am B.A.B. again. Here we are. Look. What's going on, Wabab? You're here in the morning, Wabab. <laughs> Guys, slow it down a little bit. Off the rail. This new sponsor has got us sprung, though. We're just glad somebody's out there paying attention. <laughs> yeah, the fish good people have got us. The weather's starting to turn a little bit. It's yeah. starting to go. Then it goes back. Then it goes back. It's you know, weird. Yeah, line's in. I don't it's, give a... It's, it's mid-March already. Line's Let's up? Yeah. Already? Yeah, line's in. Oh, in the you water. Get out. Let's go. Drop in. the lines. In. You didn't even shoot one off yet. There's fucking lines hey, in the water. Hey, slow down. Slow down. I don't know how to talk about fishing. Every time I open my mouth, <laughs> no, you're doing, you guys are talking fishing. You're doing good. This guy's out there with a rifle trying to catch fish. I you're don't know what's good. going on. This is wild tonight. Uh, I'm yes. ready to do it. You just feed the you feed the geese with the bread. I'll Here. take care of the rest. Sometimes fish are good now. You let the geese catch it. Catch it by the neck. You feed the Pop geese. The, the, the geese get the fish. That's just receipts, man. I better not catch a geese or I'm going to put it on bread. And then, then you guys can take a gander or what happens next. But look, heavy whole podcast. I'm going to try to reel it all in. Enough of that Enough, enough of that crazy talk. Uh, Tom, <laughs> what's going on with you over there? No more C-sharp, man. What's really going on? What have yeah, you, you been doing? You got, I only say that as a buffer because I'm thinking about what to say. Well, are you got you a movie? Like, I'm sure have you watched listeners. a flick lately? I know you've been doing oh, that. Yeah, oh, Tom, come on. So many movies. Add all these numbers up. What are you uh, doing? What movies am I watching? God damn, I need to go to my list. <laughs> Tom, you're, you're, wearing a, you're wearing a man bun. Uh, Yeah. You're, you're sure. Yeah. Are, are yeah, you dude. in blood incantation? Uh, I, I would be, you know, if they called <laughs> up. <laughs> I fly out to uh, Colorado. Yeah, dude. I would try weed for the first time. Welcome to the club, and, uh, dude. Yeah, I, I go out there. I get a pointy-ass guitar. Look at this. Look. Yes. Yep. I you know. Oh, I know. Hair. Listen, you got, finally, you know. I uh, you know you know what I, I, I have a I have the skin fade crew cut, but I'm also thinning out on top, so it's mm. kind of like that, like a cop who's a cop who's like putting off the sha- full shaving of the head. Yeah, you have a like kind yeah. of a Bruce Willis look. Yeah, very long. Yeah, very Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. I got the Willis. You are yeah. dressed like a CIA agent yeah. right now, just completely incognito. The beginning of um, uh, Dark Knight Returns, the CIA guy, remember yeah. him? The, I do. You know, he's, like, he's like, what would happen if I take the mask off? You know, it would hurt. You're a big guy. You know that. Like that's yeah. that's kind of like my new fashion. I got to get some khakis mm-hmm. that I can pull up all the way to the crotch. 
Nice. You yeah. know, not drag. Uh, you know, just I, I want to look like a CIA agent trying to fit into to contemporary just, society. Just working. Yeah, the the death metal shirts. Uh, it's the 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 dad sneakers. It's just get. I'm about to turn forty. That was my thirties. Like the next evolution yeah. is like full on. We gotta get you some loafers, dad, man. weirdo. I we have do. loafers at we, home. Yeah. I should wear them. We I have leather loafers. Different. Nice. That's I have actually, penny loafers. Loaf them out, man. Can I put? Uh, but like, like what? Like blue oyster, blue oyster cult logo buttons yeah. in my penny loafers. We should get a little turquoise buttons in there. Oh, turquoise buttons, man, goes a long way. Yeah, it says a lot about your understanding of the states. I agree. Listen. Oh, hold on. I watched a movie. Check this out. I watched a movie called Food Fight. One word exclamation point. It's free on YouTube. <laughs> it's the worst movie ever. Now, Come when on. I no, okay. check this out. I'm listening. Sixty-five million dollar budget. A dollar a year since the dinosaurs. It looks like a PlayStation 1 (laughs) cutscene. They didn't... The film wasn't rendered the right way. Oh, boy. And they spent the entire budget on licensing. It's a, It was like the original Sausage Party, that shit show that Seth Rogen oh, did. Oh, boy. It was that, the original concept of that. And they fucked it up so bad. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. It's, it's one of the best things. Like, the voices, some of the voices are just scratch. The, the quality is, like, uh, of some other podcasts um, for some voices. <laughs> and it has, like, Charlie Sheen in it and uh, Hillary Duff. <laughs> Approved on the rough cut. <laughs> they were just like, we don't have any money. Just put this thing out. And wow. it's, it's hilarious. I love it's that. It's really funny. Food fight. Interesting. Yeah. I wish yeah. more clients in, in production would say, I don't have the money. Let's just put this out. Instead of beating you over the head with notes. Yeah. Can you get this done? I needed it two days ago. Yeah, well, you didn't get notes back to me until today. Yeah. Okay, and you work in you. advertising. And that gets skipped a lot. So the fact that they care so much, it's rough. Anyway. Wow. If you really hate yourself, watch Food Fight. <laughs> Exclamation wow. point. Exclamation point. One yes. word. Well, after that, if you're fully prepped to delve into the world of accursed horror and, and low-budget filth, then you can listen to the rest of this episode, because tonight's special guest is none other than Schnell from the Vital Vinyl Vlog, uh, and also the band Accursed Womb. We're going to talk about... All sorts of death metal, low budget death metal, obscure death metal, uh, underhyped death metal, death metal that I picked out of the little space in between the, gr- the grid on my shoes. False. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's we're, we got death metal. This mm-hmm. guy dug up death metal that scare. He scares me a little bit. I like the death metal. I got a death metal room and a, you know hanging up the posters a little. But this guy is a little more death metal than we're used to. I'm scared. I'm ter- yeah. actually really terrified right now. Yeah. I yeah. miss, I'm just thinking about the days I was listening to Stone Temple Pilots hit song Plush, and that made me feel like <laughs> on top of the world. And now I'm scared, but this is very interesting, though. I can't wait to get into this episode. Change your plush diaper, or I'll buy you a new one from the Vatican gift shop, and you call up Schnell. I'll do the talking.
This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Schnell, uh, a.k.a. Primitive Pathologist underscore on Instagram, and also of the Vital Vinyl Vlog and the band Accursed Womb. How are you, Schnell? I'm good. How you doing, Will? (laughs) I'm great, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Happy to be on. Hell yeah. And um, Thanks to anybody that wanted me on. Yeah, 100%, man. I wanted you on. Uh, because you're you're a death metal fan and collector, um, and and involved in a, you know a project uh, yourself like me. I, th- I think we could talk a lot. We made a list uh, just for the listeners um, that we're going to go down later of mm-hmm. ten uh, plus a bonus track recordings, different releases by bands over the years, old and new, that you wanted to put some shine on. And you really picked some obscure ones. You got some gems, I think, out of this list. There was definitely a few that were new to me. I'm sure our listeners are going to get something Thank out of it you. too. So um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break that down in a little while, but um, uh, first, like I always do, I wanted to uh, get into your background and then talk about your band, Accursed Womb. Ever since I was little, um, you know, I kind of uh, I didn't understand why on Sundays I had to stay at home while all my friends like got to go to this like church place and do this uh, CCD shit and like. I don't know. I, I just felt left out, and uh, I would just kind of go with my mom and meet up with her family. And uh, one of my uh, cousins, he just uh, like happened to have like a Castlevania and like a Nintendo system. Hmm. And I had won an Iron Maiden like uh, little poster at like a carnival. And uh, I went in his room to play, uh, like, the Castlevania, and I noticed he had the same Iron Maiden poster I had, but I didn't know it was, like, a band. And I was like, oh, like, I was like, you like that, too? And, and he was like, he was like, you know what that is? I was, like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I have that in my room, and it was uh, pretty sure it was the Aces, like, the Aces High single, like, cover <laughs> art with, like, you know, like Eddie flying the airplane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like 99% sure that's what it was, and uh, he was—he was just like, "Well, if you like that, if you like that, uh, you know, I'll make you a tape and stuff." And uh, his brother would like clean my basement, and uh, he was like really into hip hop and stuff. And like he's like a DJ now, but uh, he gave him like a mixtape to give to me, and. I'm like in second grade listening to Morbid Angel and there's all sorts of gnarly stuff on there. But I, I remember I really was like into like Merciful Fate and like just like King Diamond in general, just being like a little kid and seeing that whole like image and stuff. And then I didn't even know about Kiss and like shit like that. I just saw King Diamond and was like, whoa, like, this guy looks like the boogeyman, like, and then I saw him on, like, Beavis and Butthead a little bit, like, later, and I was like, whoa, like, this guy's been around a long time, and then I got, like, way more into it, because, uh, like, I, I ride, I, I ride BMX and stuff, it's hard to say, like, road, because I broke my neck in June, Yeah, and, like, I, I just know, I just know I'll never like ride my bike the same again so i i mean i i'm still a bike rider forever it's one of those just weird things like when you're on two wheels 
you just feel free and you have this weird freedom. Like I understand why like people that are really into motorcycles are into motorcycles because there is this weird like just I can go wherever I want right now. I mean, except for the price of gas, I'm sure it sucks. But like just any in any other situation, you're just kind of you know. I don't know. I, it's a, it's, I'm weird about it. I feel like a hippie sometimes. Like when I when I overthink something that is silly, as like a little kid's bicycle. But it's just the lifestyle that comes with it. Because like it sounds corny, but it's very punk rock, and like it really brought me up with these like just kind of rules. And like what I mean by rules is just like. It was mostly just like respect your elders and like, you know, I remember when I first started going to hardcore shows, like I never felt embarrassed, like not to mosh or anything. And like, I, I do remember I got, I got shit for like wearing like cannibal corpse shirts and, you know, like, like I, I was like the death metal kid at the hardcore shows and like for a little bit like that wasn't really like you know yeah cool and yeah it, like it was like really weird because like you know it's like dude I, I like heavy music too it's just like sorry i you know don't have a gorilla biscuit shirt to wear every day <laughs> of the week i just have like i just have one and even that like i remember like kids being like what the fuck is the gorilla biscuits and i'm like dude like I'm like, they're just a hardcore band. And as soon as you said hardcore band, oh, what, like Slipknot? And just, I just used to hate that, like, it, it wasn't even, like, an argument. It just, it was something I just subsided to. I was like, yeah, like, Slipknot. And, well, like, deep down inside, I'm like, oh, you should have just explained, like... Nah, but no, nah, I, nah, I just you, knew it wasn't worth it. Sometimes you gotta let people figure it out on yeah, their own. Kids. Yeah, so like, I, it was just one of those things. Like, it's just like, all right. I mean, how do I even explain? Because they all looked at me crazy. Because I, I was straight edge until I was uh, eighteen, and like they would they look at me like. Because all I wanted was my parents' trust when I was a kid so I could go on road trips and stuff. And, like, I always remember, like, just, like, we, we would always try and see Blood for Blood back in the day. And they <laughs> would always cancel and shit. But like, but, like, we would go on these, like, you know, kind of long road trips. And I, I was still, like, 13. And like, my best friend at the time... uh like, when I was a freshman, he was a senior, and, like, he was, like, vegetarian, like, straight edge. Like, he knew how to put MP3s on a website in 1999. Like, stuff I just, I, I couldn't even grasp. Like, we would go to a show, and, like, he would hand me the video camera, because, like, we all had, like, personal video cameras from riding bikes. And, like, we would end up filming, like, hardcore shows and stuff. And uh, I just always was the one person in, like, my group that listened to death metal. And then I eventually met a couple other kids that enjoyed it. But 
they were kind of like just fair weather fans of it where I would go to shows and and stuff like that. They just, you know, would buy the albums and, you know, they would still listen to it, but they wouldn't get like involved in the scene or the community. And then at one point I just, I, well, what's up? Uh, no, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to uh, ask you, um, uh, yeah, finish that thought, please, and then I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. Uh, j- just at one point, um, I kind of just started really getting sick of uh, just everything that came with, like, hardcore music, and I was getting way more into, like, bands like Grief and was listening to a lot of Dystopia and His Heroes Gone and just, like, started you know listening to more stuff like that and like as soon as i found like earlier neurosis material like it was just kind of on honestly and then just yeah i went on a giant like funeral doom kick and then death metal just completely took over (laughs) which which is reflected in that list of music that we're going to get to in a little while that you sent me um (laughs) but you mentioned bmx uh biking which is not the first time i believe the Mm -hmm. the guys from blood of christ from canada talked a little bit about doing that in their youth and it also recently just came up when we were talking about merch on a, a recent episode we talked about how slayer made bmx bikes i think uh, at one point, yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this: Where I don't know if you want, how you know how much of your privacy you want to give up, but, but what region are you from? Um, and would you describe it as like more of a rural area where there's a lot of trails and things like that for BMX bikers? Um, uh, I'm right outside Philly. I'm uh, six miles from the airport, but like southeast. So like it's kind of grimy, honestly. Like. Mm-hmm kind of stuck between like a rock and a hard place like because philly's real bad right now and the thing is though like one of the best skate parks in the world is like only like a 10 minute drive from my house and like coming off of this broken neck injury yeah like there's like like there's nothing at this skate park to really like mess around on but it's the one place that, like, it's pretty much like surfing concrete. Like, it's really like gnarly. Like, for lack of a better word, like, it's pre- it's, it's FDR skate park underneath uh, the um, it's a double the double decker bridge in Philly, and it's just the best place in the world. But it's just super intimidating, but. It's just one of the only places I know that I'll be able to go and still be able to have a good time and just because I I just know that like after my accident it was just one of the things I had to just come to terms with like all right like you're not you know you're not grinding a handrail ever again like you're not doing like a wall ride ever again like just. I didn't even care about, like, the fact that I wasn't paralyzed and I wasn't dead. All I cared about, like, when it first happened, I was like, how's my bike getting home? And, like, are you guys (laughs) going to tear down my jumps? Because I just, I wasn't, like, because I I fractured my skull. And, like, I had a helmet on, too. And, like, that helmet saved my life. 
along with some dreadlocks I was growing. Like, the, the thickness of the dreadlocks put a little bit of extra padding mm. on the back of my skull, and it actually, like, saved my life, which is very strange, but... I don't want to laugh. I don't want to laugh. happy it happened I, I, yeah. like that, because it... I don't want to laugh, but that's interesting, that's man. Yeah. Well, let let me it, ask you this. I mean, we're, we're you know you're you're, you're talking. Those- I was just. I'm sorry. Let me let me ask you this. Would you mind talking about exactly what happened? Because you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't um, do BMX biking, it, and I don't know really what what goes on with the jumps and that sort of thing. How you know what what kind of maneuver were you trying to to do, and how did you actually? come to hit yourself so hard that you that you that you hit yourself on your head on your skull it was legit just a little a little malfunction and i i tell everybody now like uh, there's a part on your bicycle it's called a it's called a cog and it's where like your chain connects to your back wheel like from the uh, front end of the bicycle where like the sprocket cranks and pedals are so like there's this little component that like keeps everything like rolling and stuff like when you're pedaling it's what gives you pedal pressure like it's what enables you to actually like stand up pedal and ride a bicycle now that device disengaged so nothing caught when I went to take a pedal and it just shot me over the handlebars scorpion style because I didn't get a chance to put my hands up and head first I like baseball slid into this obstacle and it was the worst heaviest noise ever hearing your like neck snap and like they, they told me I, I tore every single muscle and stuff in my neck but like i actually like hearing the bones like just crunch it was just like the most sickening like sound ever and the fact i had the helmet on i didn't really get knocked out and, like, I went to stand up, and my body just felt like a bobblehead doll. And I just immediately laid back down, and I was in the middle of the woods, and I just started screaming, help. And then I went on Instagram, and I just, I was like, yo, like, I was like, somebody's got to help. I was, like, I was like, I think I broke my neck, and, like, I made a post, and people thought I was, like, fucking around. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, like, I really broke my neck, and then these people came, and, like, it's all on, it's all, like, on video, thankfully. Is it still, uh, is it still on your Instagram? Uh, somewhere it should be, but, uh, like, on, on my YouTube, it starts with me at the ICU, and then me at the, uh, I forget what the place is after the ICU. It's like the IEU or something like that. Okay. And then they sent me home without a hospital bed. <laughs> you want to talk about a nightmare? Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't have a hospital bed for the first three days. I had to just sit in a chair and like just not move. It was just a nightmare, but... Again, it could have been worse. Like I could have 
died. Wow. But it was just a simple little bicycle malfunction. And I, I like, I used to be reckless as hell. Like, I, I didn't kick. I don't ride brakes on my bike. Like, I cut in and out of traffic. Like, I, I don't know. That's just, like, the way I kind of, I, I always thought it was just fun. Like, getting from point A to point B, just pretending it's New York City traffic. But you're really just in some suburb outside of Philly. Huh. But it does help you for when you're in those situations where, like, like I've gotten hit by cars plenty of times. Like, it sucks. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. Like, to me, it comes with the territory. But it is, like, your worst nightmare, breaking your neck. It's something you never think, like, is going to happen to you. And then when it does, like, I, I really did get, I got lucky. And I, I can't complain about it but it is one of those things it's like a life-altering injury like it definitely messed like my memory up but it's one of those things like i i've learned to like keep notes and you know i constantly remind myself of things and like i try to like not forget like you know if i'm supposed to do something because that's just the type of person I am. If I'm doing something, it's 110%. I don't like, it's something, it's not from breaking, like, I mean, breaking bad did it, but like, I don't like taking half measures. If I'm going to do something, I want to give it a hundred percent. It's something like my dad taught me, like he's a, he was a state hall of fame, like coach and stuff. And just, seeing like his success and to me like seeing just failure i always wanted to just like let him know like hey i'm gonna be okay and i just feel like it was just a big step back for that because i kind of was like all right i want to get a job with a legit company doing concrete work and i want to learn how to build skate parks and I was, like, content. Like, that was what I wanted to do with my life. And then this accident happened, and it's like, all right, you can't do that anymore. Like, you can barely lift up five pounds right now. Like, there's no way you could work with concrete ever again. Mm -hmm. Well, like, I was in, like, the best shape of my life, thankfully, when I, like, wrecked and... Again, that's one of the things that saved my ass. Like I was actually in good shape, and I'm I'm happy for that because you know it's one of those things I know everybody goes through when like you're feeling sorry for yourself and like you think life sucks, and then something serious happens and you realize just how awesome life is and just like. You shouldn't take, like, everything for granted. Like, for a little bit, I couldn't even, like, eat solid food. I had to just, like, drink milkshakes. And, like, I just missed the, like, going upstairs to take a shower. Like, I had to, like, like thankfully my mom, like, like gives a shit en enough about me to, like, help me out. And, like, she's been nothing but amazing and supportive during all this. Because if I didn't have her, like, I, I I don't know what I would be doing. Like, I really don't. Like, 
it's just one of those situations, like, because I might have to declare bankruptcy and, like, all this, like, gnarly, like, real-life shit. And it's just one of those things where it's like, well, like, you knew, I, 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 you always think you're going to get hurt, like, doing a trick or something, but, nah, like, normally you get hurt not doing anything, like, the second time I ever knocked my teeth out, I was, like, 17, and I was just pedaling home from my friend's house, and my chain popped going down a hill, and it, oh. I just went right to my face, knocked my teeth out, Ooh. and to, just to prove, though, like, that, like, I was also super kind of hesh, like, in high school, so I thought, like, oh, I look badass without a front tooth. So, like, I'm going to go to school anyway on Monday. So, like, I'm wearing, like, you know, I, I was all about, like, wearing, like, those, like, Western-style flannels. And I had, like, long hair and, like, was just rocking cowboy boots and shit. Like, just, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I was on, like, some Iggy Pop shit. Wow. Like, just, like, I don't know. I wanted to dress all rock and roll. <laughs> well let me like, like i wasn't really like listening to like you know. let, let me let me stop you the, yeah i'm sorry man <laughs> let me stop you there because there's a lot there man i that that story literally gave me a chill at a few points man i'm sorry that you went through that but i'm glad you survived it um that's that's one of the wildest mm -hmm. stories i think we're gonna ever uh have had on this podcast right there um so and and you talk about losing a losing a tooth like it's nothing too man um wow so <laughs> so so this bmx biking you're kind of the only guy doing death metal um you know i Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I've always known you as a guy that's kind of, you know, you used to come out to shows and record them a lot uh, with your, you know, with your camera before the pandemic uh, more. And uh, I, I met you coming to shows and buy merch yeah. and supporting the bands. But you talk about how life has changed so much for you since this accident and this injury. Uh, I noticed you've been posting mm -hmm. so much about your merch and your passion for death metal and your collection and how much these bands, um, uh, you know, how you identify with them. And it's a lifestyle, too, just kind of like the BMX biking, if I'm correct, saying all that. Um, yeah. Has the underground scene and death metal, has, have, has the accident, you know, you talk about the accident changing the way you look at things and appreciating life. Has it changed the way you look at music and the underground scene in these bands and given you kind of a newfound appreciation? Does that give you, does that get you through? It makes me not want to waste my time. It really makes me want to just like get to the bangers. Like, <laughs> Because <laughs> before, like, I would just kind of scrape, like, sometimes I would, like, legit just, like, scrape the barrel looking for the filthiest thing, like, head split put out, like, six years ago or something, like, just because so, just sometimes I just wanted something, like, so different and just not, like, the usual, like, oh, like, this sounds like autopsy and it's fucking sick. Like, I I don't want to fall into that pigeonhole, and, like, I have plenty of time, but I always catch myself, and I just, like, recently I've been having a lot of technical problems and have been having to do, like, live stream reviews 
which I've honestly been enjoying because not only does it give me like interaction with, I hate even saying the term fan base, but there, there is a fan base. And I, I think that that alone is it just boggles my mind. Like, People always tell me they're like, dude, like you got me back into extreme music, and I'm like, what? Like, really? Like, <laughs> like that's awesome. They're like, yeah, like, dude, I have, I haven't even heard the word deicide in like five. Like, I didn't even know those bands still existed. And stuff like that sometimes rubs me the wrong way, and then I under, I'm like, all right, they haven't been around. Like, they, they don't get it. <laughs> Like they, I don't know. It's like stuff just doesn't go away when you stop listening to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. For example, like people don't know. People don't know this. Like, dude, I love Save the Day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't miss a Save the Day show from like, dude, yo, from nineteen ninety nine to like two thousand five. I did not miss a Save the Day show. If they were playing Philly, I was there singing every word, and I have no shame. I love it. was just one of those things. Like, I went through it with high school, you know. Like like I said, I was kind of like, like, I'm not going to say I was a dirtball, but, like, I, I just didn't give a shit. All I cared about was riding my bike. So sometimes we would leave to go on a trip as soon as we got out of school on Friday. And I got my mom to forge, like, these work release papers. Huh. And she's an English teacher. Allegedly. <laughs> so she always was pissed, like. But but she always would be like, look, if you're going to skip school, let me know. So I would just be like, yo, like, we're going to New Hampshire. So, like, I'm not going to go to, like, the, like, you know, the end of school and shit. And it just got to the point. She was like, look, I'm going to sign you out for, like, work release. But, like your job's going to be filming. I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, just, I had to think of something and you, you're, you are filming technically. So That's we, were, we yeah. were working on a video. And stuff. Huh. But, uh, like to me, that was the most important thing. Like I went on a 42 day trip to ride empty swimming pools, what? full pipes on government property. Allegedly. And like all this gnarly shit. <laughs> Oh, I, I have photo evidence. I've lived it, <laughs> dude. Ho- ho- hopping a thirteen, hopping a thirteen foot barbed wire fence in North Texas at five what? in the morning using the camera and night vision, like just like not knowing if you're going to get busted or not. And like this was right after nine eleven, so like we were really, really playing with fire, like going to some of these like secret full pipe locations which are like underneath dams in the overflow like it's crazy how this stuff works but like and this was way before google maps or any of this shit like we were we had friends pretending to be like 70s style pool skaters like trading east coast pool spots with pool skaters in the west coast and in the midwest and like we ended up like getting like a list off one of our friends of like all these like secret spots and stuff and just like doing all this research and it was just so much fun but 
I just remember coming home and we started our senior year in two weeks and I had just like had the adventure of a lifetime and I just remember like from that point on I just felt like you know like dude like fuck this like I you know like I took <laughs> I remember the first like the first two weeks we didn't even like shower like we didn't even think about it like being comfortable was the last thing on our mind sounds like tour it was getting from a yeah, it, it was. That's exactly what it was. It was touring without having to play shows. <laughs> like that, and like it's one wow. of those things. Like when I joined my first band, they all thought I was crazy. When I was like, "Yeah, we're not staying in hotels," huh. they were like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Dude, we're sleeping in the the car." Like, you better get used to it too. And they're like, "Uh, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Just what I said." Like get ready this isn't gonna be comfortable like where do you like who's paying for a hotel i'm not like i'm cool with sleeping in the car like Uh, yeah it might be 20 degrees but you know that there's five of us we're good like you're not gonna die like you'll be fine once we get to the venue and i mean yeah it sucked plenty of times but like i remember thinking I would never meet Will Romer after he got arrested. And, like, that whole incident, like, with that European tour back in, like, 2005, maybe, (laughs) 2006. Yeah, I know. And then my band, dude. And I was such a big Mortician fan at the time. Like, I was legit, like, so gutted. Like, I'll never meet Will Romer, like. We, we, I and was. Then, I, I remember yeah. this. I was. I was worried for Will too. I was. I remember. I'm just laughing because dude, you're taking me back, dude. Scary. You're taking me back. I remember that shit. Yeah, there mm-hmm. were allegations. There were ru- a- rumors. Well, I'll say this. What I recall is that there were rumors. I don't know that they were ever uh, substantiated that Will Raymer was. Yeah, in they pri- were never proven. In, yeah, in prison in Europe somewhere um uh for some period of time and we were all concerned and wanted to make sure and then you know we obviously you know he's he's since obviously this was a long time ago been been back we don't know that that was ever the case allegedly 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 but yeah dude all right i'm sorry you're taking me back with this stuff man that's crazy and i gotta (laughs) i i gotta interject i'm pretty pretty sure it was poland though i'm like 99 percent sure it was yeah so we my old band got asked to open up for skinless and yonkers nice so we're like of course like you know we we all love skinless shout to uh, Ralph. like this is 2006 and uh you know we we drive up the yonkers and stuff and uh i wish i could remember the mydm member that booked the show because he was so cool but I remember he was talking about like moving to Arizona or something like that. Mm. But uh, next thing I know, there's Will Romer, and he's got his merch table and everything. And I'm like, you know, like I felt weird. I'm like, you know what? Like, nah. Like I'll wait because I wanted to get like my picture taken with him and stuff. So I waited until after we played, like. Uh, I don't know how we pulled this off, but like we played right before Skinless, and uh, like Will was like, "Oh, like, like, 
like nice like nice fucking set and i was like oh like, thanks man and like you know like <laughs> we started talking and he was nice as could be like and then i got like my band over at the time and like i handed the camera off to the uh the guy that booked the show and we got we got the photo together and stuff it, it really speaks of the times because like i'm wearing like camo cargo shorts and like a necrophagist hoodie <laughs> it, it, it really just kind of screams like late 2000 uh, it was like summer 2006 i think i forget was but this uh skeleton <laughs> skeleton proof tanks was that the band? yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I see that man I, I looked it up on metallum um and uh, it seems like you guys actually put out a couple of releases uh, back back right in that era, that you know, two thousand five, mm-hmm. six or so, man. Um, and then you know, yeah. eventually, I guess the band kind of changed uh, changed the name and kind of you know switched switched gears a little bit. Yeah, like I, I actually kind of wanted to sound more like Coles playing Suffocation. Wow. Okay. But I couldn't really find that. I couldn't really find anybody that wanted to do that coalesce so awesome. it, it just kind of fizzled let, let me ask but, you this um, i did have a couple of frogs. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt but you mentioned coalesce uh before you mentioned neurosis mm-hmm. you talk about being right outside of philly is that like is relapse records like a really big influence in that way well that, that was actually my first like real job i i worked in the warehouse for a little bit and i broke my ankle and had to uh step down but they still let me because relapse would have a retail table at local shows so my friend it was his like job to do it and he ended up getting it hooked up so i could help him too and i would help him like load records in and like all this stuff at like the first unitarian mostly uh, first Unitarian Church in Philadelphia. If you folks don't know, 22nd and Chestnut Street. Like, I had so many good nights at that venue. Definitely saw Coheed and Cambria there. <laughs> but, like, plenty of good times. Like, but just, uh, I, I love that place. Like, I helped the destruction load in one night. Like, wow. just gnarly, gnarly times. Who who was your friend and who worked like, at uh, again to see Disphere, but like I, I I was gonna say the relapse connection definitely like with uh I I'd say neurosis especially like and even like as far as like you know incantation because a lot of the, the used record stores around me all they have is relapse stuff yeah and. I used to be like a kid in a candy store after I'd get off work at the pizza shop. Like I, I used to deliver pizzas and to me that was just disposable income and like I would go to the records like the used records store and just pretty much just pig out on like relapse stuff like and then sometimes like when my one friend was working there and I was still in high school they they would find like a bunch of like real rare stuff. Like the reason I found out about disembowelment 
was they stumbled across like a box of unopened cassette tapes. And this actually led to the reissue back in like 2005, I think. I forget when it was, but uh, I, I know you can find photos of me like wearing like I'm all decked out in disembowelment merch and stuff like just because I, I figured oh, they'll never make this stuff again. And like before Relapse got the uh, death catalog, I remember, you know, finding out about atheist like because i didn't really know much about atheist and then all of a sudden this band from florida that just somehow went under my like nose just i never heard technicality that well crafted to where i didn't feel like it was guitar masturbation or like anything overly like like, oh, like, this is just proving, like, we're good musicians. It just felt straight from, like, the heart. And I feel like that had something, a lot to do with Roger's bass playing on Piece of Time. Yeah. And yeah. then um, when he passed away, and uh, I remember just, I, I just blind bought their um, discography at the time, which was only three records. It was Peace of Time, Unquestionable Presence, and Elements. And Elements was, like, the weird one of the bunch. Like, it was just super jazzy and, you know, crazy sounding. But Unquestionable Presence was just one of those records that I still, to this day, like, when people ask me, like, you know, like, what's, like, what's one of your favorite technical death metal records? Atheist, Unquestionable Presence, like, with a bullet. Like to uh, me, that record is just so dialed and just doesn't get enough love at all. I just had to give it a little shout out. Like everybody says, like death human normally. Like yeah, like during that time period, like it's kind of like I feel like those two bands were like battling it out for like technical supremacy, but just you know. Just death had the name and i don't know because like even like now like when i see atheists like co-headlining a tour part of me is like man like why like but then i re i just realized that's the way it is sometimes you know well let, let, like it's, it's kind of like a ladder let me well yeah it's it's a whole i mean that's a whole different discussion about um you know the who's who headlines and who's support and everything but let me stop you there yeah. because we're you know that i feel like that's a good segue right there you talk about that album um for us to get into this list because yeah. we do have a big list to get into and you have a lot i, I want to cover all of them because they're all solid hits uh for our listeners that right. for that reflect your taste man and i just gotta ask who was your who was your connect at relapse there who used to load the tables up with it at the shows because a lot of those relapse guys stayed in the industry Oh, uh, well, he kind of got out of it. His name was uh, Mark DeVito. Okay. All but right. uh, he was friends with some some of, like, the higher-up guys, like uh, Steve Ford and, like, uh, Eli. I think Eli still might work there, but I'm not positive. But, um, uh, like, um, I remember Drew Jergens, uh, he, he was the one that gave me the... Uh, like the job and like when i got hurt i felt so bad because like 
my friend was out on tour and like I had to, you know, leave and stuff. Cause like, I can't be packing packages like on crutches and stuff. No, like, of I, course I, not. I mean, I kind of, I kind of tried and they were like, dude, you gotta go home. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like, all right. But it, it was what it was. Sounds like, and, sounds like you gave it your own. Like, it was the same with like, uh, when I was an intern at decibel, like it just like came down to, uh, like just they were like yeah, like we we can't hire you at the moment you know but if you want to hand out stickers we can get you on a guest list for any show you want so i was like okay and they still send me like periodicals and stuff because people always give me shit they're like dude how come you always support decibel i'm like because they send me free magazines <laughs> and you know why not they're you know Albert's a nice guy. Like, I like Albert. Like, I I think he's a really nice guy. Actually, like, so you get into shows. I used to be good. really good friends with their customers. Oh, I just was real good friends with their customer service guy. Uh, just shout out to Mark Evans if you're listening, because you taught me a lot, man. So you got into some shows but, uh, for for, yeah. uh, for free, man. That's good. Um, uh, but. <laughs> like I said, man, we, you know, um, we got this list, and I wanted to get into it um, because uh, you have a lot of great bands here. The first of which is Bile uh, from the Netherlands, um, which is not to be confused mm -hmm. with Bile from Long Island, New York, which was more of an industrial project back in the '90s. Uh, and this Bile from the Netherlands changed their name to Skullhog after this album, I believe. But you want to talk about Camp Blood, their full length from 2005. Yeah. Uh, which is a cult classic and gore grind mm -hmm. from from the from the 2000s uh, from that early 2000s period we were just referencing before man classic era this is a great album I I, I remember getting this um, I think I bought this at Maryland Death Fest at one point one point back in the day I was like really into this with some of the guys uh, with my buddy Dan who's in miasmatic necrosis right now and stuff we, we followed this band I think they played oh, nice. Maryland Death Fest at one point man but um uh, I, I feel like I might have even seen them around this era, man. It's, it's a little foggy in the memory sometimes, man, but this is awesome shit. I don't know if you want to give your take mm -hmm. on it for the listeners. Oh, I I absolutely loved it from the moment I first heard it. I was like, oh, man, like this is heavy. <laughs> and just like the concept and everything, because like being a horror movie fan, like that, that, that's what, you know, made me a mortician fan it just felt you know like it just went together so well and i just felt bile like just kind of captured that essence but still had their own like sound and just it was one of those bands that i just really found myself like liking more and more the more i listened to it and then um it was one of those things, like, I didn't know they changed their name. And they're actually playing some really sick shows coming up as Skullhog. I, I saw, like, Dave uh, from Undergang post some, like, shows. And one of them had Skullhog on it. I was like, oh, shit, like, that's sick. Because, like, uh, we, like, we had just been talking about it. And then that popped up. I was like, whoa, like, that's cool. But, uh... Yeah, it was one of those records, like, just from the cover art alone, like, because I had the original cover, like, not the red one, like, the one with, like, 
the kids in the woods and like Jason and stuff. And I just, I just from the artwork alone, it just has this, you know, be like just sinister, but like B movie type feel where you just know you're in for a good time. And like, especially if you know, like the Friday the 13th films and stuff. And this is a fun one. In this day and age when uh, all these bands are kind of coming back with the mortician sound, um, this bile record sounds very ahead of its time. Yeah. They like they sat, they had a definite mortician mm-hmm. vibe, but they had a lot of personality in the vocals, and of course they had a, they had a human drummer, so that you know that gave it a, a, a different flavor. But they, yeah. def- they you could definitely hear the mortician coming through in them. Mm-hmm. Good shit. Because and- uh, like, there's a band right now. Like there's a band right now called Massacred that uh, was broken up, but um, I sent you the links where it, I said it's like straight mortician worship. And you were right, yeah. Where, I like, it, it, it really is total. It it's straight early mortician worship on Corpse Crystal. Yeah. But like they sent me their their other demo, and it's oh my, it's so good. But yeah, Bile was so ahead of their time with that that sound and yeah having kind of a different style of vocals not like being like just like a single like just like low like kind of changing it up a little bit i always liked the hell yeah. like, that was one of those albums that whenever i like go back to it i'm like hell yeah like this is sick like huh. i'm glad i like because like, again that was one of those like I just liked the way it looked, and it had a sticker on it for fans of Mortician. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> like, let me check this out." It's true, and they they so, kind of yeah. they kind of blended like the European gore grind sound with Mortician for the time. Um, by the mm-hmm. Bile, the Shed, two thousand five on No Escape Records. That was a good label too. No Escape put out a lot of other cool shit. No Escape is a label I got to yeah. do a deep dive on one day. But um, we got to. I want to keep moving because you got a big list here. Uh, and the, the second one is we're gonna we totally switch gears, which is what I like about this list. You, you you do a lot of this kind of funeral, epic death doom. The band is Asunder, uh, a clarion call. Yeah. Um, that's Asunder with their full length album, a clarion call from two thousand four. Uh, the band is Asunder from Oakland, California. Uh, who were around from the 90s through the early 2000s. This was their first full-length album. Really cool stuff, and there was a use. This was the one, I believe, there was a um, a violin, maybe? Did I get that right? Or Oh, it's a cello, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's what I was going to say. I'm pretty sure it's a cello or a violin. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cello. I'm looking, Metal Archives has our back. It's a cello. Um, sure. but, mm-hmm. but that stuff was cool, man. I mean, I, I talked about this band Dusk a while back, I think in one of our Patreon episodes. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of oh, yeah. somewhat similar vibe, if you know, if you're familiar, man. Maybe, you know, that use of the, the classical instrument there, this, the the um, the stringed instrument is, is a, a nice touch, man. It gives it so much atmosphere. I don't know if you want to give your take on that and maybe how you, how you stumbled on those guys. Yeah, that was one of those, like, just, you know, kind of just feeling sorry for yourself type, like, bands for me. Like, I was going through some hard times, and, like, I was drinking a lot back then, like, I, and I used to drink, like, way, way, way too much, and that was, like, the soundtrack to, like, my drinking, but 
I always knew how good it was. And like, it was one of those records that, that when I got back into collecting, I realized you will never own this again, man. <laughs> like, you screwed up. Like, holy crap. Like, this is expensive. <laughs> And like, I, it's one of those things where it's like one day I'll, uh, cause, uh, I ran into Adam from Gillette media in like 2018 and he was actually wearing an Asunder shirt and I was like, dude, awesome shirt. And he was like, Hey, he's like, I actually like got the album last weekend. I was like, no way. He was like, yeah, dude, he, like it, it like completed like my collection. Cause like. He has the weakling record and stuff too, and like just, I was like, damn man, like that's sick. Cause like I really wish Twenty Bucks Spin would like reissue some of that early stuff, like, cause they have like Graves at Sea split with like Asander. They have like that early Nooth Grush stuff. I don't know. I, I just feel like the like, Endless Blockade. They have some gnarly stuff that. I just feel like we'll never see the light of day again. I mean, it might, but it might not. Wow. Yeah. So that's one of those Discogs uh, gold gold mine albums. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot like that, man. Um, but I, I moving along though. I uh, I managed to skip the the real number two was actually Macabre Sinister Slaughter. Um, a band that oh, is yeah. is kind of close to my heart. I don't, you know, I don't even listen to Macabre that much anymore. The last few years, I, I noticed. I thought about that when I when I put this on, and you, I've talked about this before on the podcast. How like they're they're kind of like black, uh, you know, gallows sense of humor. They're you know this kind of like sarcastic, very cynical. Um, uh, serial killer sense of humor that goes with their music kind of overshadows their technicality and their musicianship. And this Sinister Slaughter from 1993, um, what a death metal album. I mean, the the drums alone, but I mean, all around, the composition, the performance... Uh, the 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 picking the the guitars I mean but but all, all around these guys oh, just yeah. and and you know it made me go back and listen to their new one I don't want to go on a whole tangent but these guys so impressive I have reached out and dealt with their management once or twice and I will try to get them on the podcast again if you ever talk to Macabre tell them you want them on Heavy Hole Podcast because I'd love to speak to them but um uh, but for now that's that's backburnered uh, but but you know what a fucking group of three musicians who've kept it together since the early 80s right you know right up till today and could school younger musicians yeah. man i mean what what's what's your take on macabre mm-hmm. probably one of my top five favorite bands ever i actually got my macabre Dahmer reissue cassette yesterday in the huh. mail and i did like a live playthrough of it today and like i had to give a disclaimer like look I'm not cool with Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, he was a terrible person. Okay? Like, this is just, like, this is just a record. Like, and it's fun. So, like, you know, it has that Midwest, like, death metal bounce to it. But, like, it has the concept of, like, how gnarly Jeffrey Dahmer was as, like, a person. Like, in a, like, in a terrible way. Like, and it goes to show like their love for their craft like 
You know, like there's a song about corporate death going to see Jeffrey Dahmer's trial. Like him, like, you know, he actually drove up to see like, like the trial and stuff. And I guess those guys would also go and like visit Gacy and stuff the way that uh, Gigi Allen would. Because I noticed that too on um, Dahmer. There's a couple of songs that actually sound kind of like Gigi Allen. Like the song Bloodbath, especially. Like it's just like Bloodbath, 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 yeah. Like it's kind of got that Gigi feel, but like yeah. it's macabre and. Yeah, I feel like they're not for everyone, but, like, if you just pay attention to the drumming, the guitar playing, the bass playing, like, I understand the vocals can be, like, you <laughs> know, hit or miss. Yeah. But, like, it, I, I, I happen to love them. Like, my ex-girlfriend hated them, but, like, to her dismay, Sinister Slaughter on cassette got stuck in my tape deck, and <laughs> that's all we could listen to. Or nothing at all, and hey, it was one of those things. Like that's what made me love it so much. Really, it was kind of constantly listening to it and dissecting it. No pun intended, but like then seeing them live too, and like, like corporate death, like had a mullet, and like you know he had like overalls on, and like a Britney Spears microphone, and I remember them playing before. Napalm Death and being like, what, like, like, why are they playing before Napalm Death? Like, not really getting it. I was, I was like nineteen, and like, I didn't. Really, I was like, wait, like, what's going on? But then I was like, come, because I never had seen them live. Like, I just had, like heard them here and there, but like that was like the show where I became like a fanboy. Like, they were one of those i just i i did, I did some music. i mean i'm glad i saw them at this one show it was like the night before my dad passed away but it was at one of my like it was at one of these venues in philly that now it it like shit the bed and stuff but like this was my last show ever there before it went out of business and it was pre-pandemic before it went out of business too but uh, it was a Trocadero in Philly on Arch Street. But um, I saw Nails with uh, Shitfucker, Municipal Waste, and Macabre. Like, just the weirdest, like, lineup ever, in my opinion. Like, but uh, Shitfucker was late and couldn't play, so it was just, like... Municipal Waste, Macabre, and Nails. But it, huh. it was still a good time. Like, Minnesota, I mean, uh, Macabre killed it. But, yeah. Like, yeah, that was the last time I know. But it was just a real random, like... And, like, they had split seven inches of capitalist casualties there. I was like, I was like, what the hell? Like, where... Like, they were like, yeah, we found some at the warehouse. And I, I didn't even know, like... Because I think one more opposite band to do a split with than like Macabre and like Capitalist Casualties or Power Violence Band, if anybody doesn't know. 
highly recommend checking them out. But it's kind of yeah, sick, it though. Just weird, but kind of sick, I, I though, man. That that's that's kind of why Macabre is sick, though, man. Um, yeah, it was. And and, and like I, I I saw them live at the 2004 Maryland Death Fest, and I've always kind of had a you know I've been a fan of them. I don't listen to them that much. The whole serial killer thing the, does kind of turn me off a little bit, and then the vocals and the 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 humorous part of it. But I have this begrudging respect for their musicianship yeah. and for their diehard mentality all these years. Like, I, I have nothing but respect for those guys. I think you have to really see them live to understand it, man, because they they are yeah. like masters of the craft, Macabre. Um, again, I would love to get them on the on the show and, and uh, talk to them about their history and all that. Like but the in the interest of um this list cuz cuz uh we I want to cover all these bands and you have a really good one here up next uh vacant coffin sewer yeah. sculpture uh and that's a that's a band from finland uh that uh-huh. i believe that actually came out on um razorback records uh, a, a while ago i'm i'm looking it up right now vacant coffin and that's with the yeah. guy he's he's well known now for um what's the help me out what's the finnish band that the guys is uh known for um i think his name is uh las lasi uh lasi pico from hooded menace it's got the it's got two of the guys from hooded menace um the you know they they were in Fle- uh, they were in Fledgathon. Uh, you know, real classic, um, old school Finnish musicians with a prolific amount of projects. And this is one of their long running projects, Vacant Coffin. Uh, they only put out the sewer sculpture, uh, skull, like S K U L L in that sculpture, sewer sculpture, full length in 2008. Um, and I, I was lucky enough, I found it on vinyl. I tracked it down on vinyl a few years ago when someone put me onto it, man. And what an album. It's like combined all the best parts of like, uh, uh, European grind or like like squash bowels or something, but with these epic Finnish death doom parts out of nowhere in short format grind songs. More, it was so sick. But it actually just got reissued on uh, I think Self Made God Records. I think because I, I I saw it like I just was looking on like Bandcamp because I wanted to just listen to it and. uh the Razorback Records version popped up, but then I saw, I'm pretty sure it was Self-Made God. Somebody reissued it recently, but... Awesome. I, I definitely would, that's a record I would love to get on vinyl, because, like, I, I haven't owned it in a very long time. Like, that's one of those records I really regret, like, selling. Because, like, to me, Razorback Records represented this very awesome time in death metal and uh i've heard it brought up recently too which is, i thought was kind of sick i was like whoa like other people cared about razorback records too huh. and seeing them making a nice little comeback like because they've been doing books recently like uh they reissued um the death stench of fanzine like uh all three issues in this like one like massive compilation and uh there's this other like i think it's a horror movie type uh comic i'm not really sure about the other one but just seeing them active again like makes me happy because it's like all right like maybe you you have a chance to get some of these records that you know like even that band like ghoul like 
like I'm pretty sure they did the first school record. They did, and yeah. like you know, I just feel like that's one of those. Oh, they, yeah, like, that's one of those labels that I just feel like if they were to had have dropped right now, that would be one of the biggest labels in death metal, like hands down, like to just the way that I feel like things are right now. I just feel like people would definitely be into what they put out. Like they, they even were from like the reissues that they did. They were like the first wave of nostalgia. Yeah, you good. know they that like because that was during yeah. when, when they were around. That was when everything was going hardcore and metalcore and core this and that, and they were all about this mm-hmm. like uh, old school impetigo carcass gore grind thing that was really sick. Uh, and maybe, you know, I feel like this might be a good... I'm going to jump around on your list yep. because we're already talking about Razorback Records and we mentioned Vacant Coffin from Finland, but Ooh. you have Frightmare on your list, um, which Frightmare also yeah. started yep. out on Razorback Records back in the day, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, there's mm-hmm. actually two, there's actually two bands, Frightmare, so I want to make sure... But we're talking about the one from Oregon... Um- Right, they were um, midnight yeah. midnight murder mania. Is that what I'm talking midnight. about? Yeah, that was on Razorback Records. Yeah. I got it right in 2003. Um, midnight murder mania, and that's another one. Just like the uh, yeah. uh, like there was a engorged was another one that was early on Razorback. They had this really cool nostalgic thrash metal horror movie mm-hmm. thing going on that was kind of like across the board, but all their bands were doing it in their own way. Man, it was awesome. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I remember everybody was, like, obsessed with, like, Willow back, uh, uh, w- Willow Tip Records and stuff. And, like, I was into Razorback Records. And, like, all my friends always would be like, how do you like that boring-ass death metal? Like, I remember distinctly it was Coffin's uh, Mortuary in Darkness. Hmm. When that album first came out, like, for me, it was like, holy shit, like, this is the album I wish I could, like, get my band to write, but, like, I knew I could never do that, because I had a really good drummer, and he hated playing anything, like, remotely under, like, 200 beats a minute, huh. so, like, it was just one of those, like, just constant fights, like, Cause, like I'm, I'm a big I Hate God fan and stuff, so like I would like have ideas where you know I'd be like, hey, like let's add like, like you know, bands like would add like southern parts. I'd be like, yo, let's add like a crowbar riff or something, like just out of nowhere, real fast, like, just to pay like you know homage. And they they would just look at me like, ah, it ain't gonna work. But like then we would try it and it would work. And then next thing you know, it's on the record. But yeah, Razorback was one of those labels that to me, it was definitely one of my favorites. And like, I loved how a lot of the stuff was horror themed. And, you know, like back then, I really felt like it was hard to find people within like the death metal scene that wanted nostalgia during that time period. But like, I was kind of getting sick of hearing all these ridiculously over triggered drums to where I don't even know if it's a drum machine or not, where, you know, 
there's these crystal clear guitar solos that if you held a gun to my head, I could never play in a million years. Like just really gnarly. To me, death metal was getting way too gnarly. Like technical death metal was overtaking like everything. I went like even. I remember going to see Cryptopsy on the Once Was Not tour. Like, like it was, it wasn't just like None So Vile. Like I saw them do None So Vile with like Skinless, and I think Jungle Rock played also. But uh, like that was like a sold out show at the Trocadero. But then I saw Cryptopsy at the First Unitarian Church with a whopping forty five people. And it, like, boggles my mind, like, because I tell people, I'm like, yeah, like, because it was originally before they started having those summer slaughter tours. I'm not sure if you remember, they would have this, like, pretty much one day festival of, like, all the gnarliest bands in, like, Quebec and, like, all over America and stuff. But then you would have, like, Necrophages headline. But it was just before the Summer Slaughter Tour started. But, like, normally you'd have, like, Necrophagist, Misery Index, Animosity, and, like, Job for a Cowboy or something like that. But then, like, they did this one show where they added Cryptopsy to that bill, but Cryptopsy had to cancel. And they made up the show, but, like, nobody went and, like, I remember just like buying a non so vile shirt off Lord <laughs> Worm and him just being cool as hell. And yeah, it was just one of those, you know, like just one of those moments. And then they did that whole 180 and turned to do a deathcore band for a minute. And I don't know what the hell happened, but. Well, we, we, yeah, we, I, mean, we, I, we, I heard they're playing death metal again. We yeah we talked about that them uh, extensively on the show um before yeah it's they they kind of they've been here and there and everywhere um but that you you talk, you talked before about I hate God um yeah. and one of the the other bands on your list was Soylent Green's mm-hmm. album Pussy Soul from 1995 I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit yeah I'm a big fan of Ben like I love like paralysis. Because it, like, straight up just sounds like Infester. That's a sick band. And, like, when I found... Oh, yeah. But when I found that Ben was, like, in this grime band, I had already... Like, they they had already done um, Stone Mouth Secrets. But um, I was introduced to Pussy Soul first. But then I heard Stone Mouth Secrets after. But, like, I always found myself going back to pussy soul and even today like i just i love ben's vocals on that record i love the way the drums sound i i I just i really enjoy that album really catchy album i I mean i know a lot of people like when it comes to yeah when it comes to soul and green people would choose like you know stone mouth and stuff like that's kind of to me, that's the easy Soil and Green. Like, what's your favorite Soil and Green record? Like, not like barely anyone's going to say Contaminated, but like, I'm sure there's some people out there that like that record. But to me, 
that record shows a hungry young band that was like willing to push like where Grindcore was currently at, I guess. Like especially when I heard it and whatnot, it was kind of like goat horror was getting real popular and I remember like seeing Soil and Green play a show and it was with all these like victory bands and shit and I was just like huh. I guess it's kind of boof, you know, like I don't know, like I just I felt like I was just like, man, like what like, what's going on? Like but then again, like I I I get it, you know, you gotta play with kind of what's popular especially during this time period where it was all over the place because you had like these dillinger wannabe bands playing with like to me legends like soylent green and it was just very strange and you would definitely get your money's worth though because you were given this platter of diversity music wise and for me, like, I found out about, about a lot of new bands, and I recommend this for a lot of, like, kids that are new to death metal, and especially with shows opening back up. It sounds kind of lame, but pay attention to what t-shirts the bands that are playing are wearing. And, like, take note of it. And, like, you know, maybe take some photos of the band live. And if you don't recognize their T-shirt, look that band up. And you might find something you never knew existed that you love. And I, I found that out through, like, probably the year 2002. Like, just from going to shows and seeing countless bands and shit. But I learned a lot just from legitimately looking at what a guitar player's shirt says or what stickers on there, you know, uh, like hard case. That stuff, to me, like, it kind of went a long way. Like, even with a band like Slayer, like, that's how I found out about, like, Dead Kennedys. Yeah. I mean... Back they, in the day, the, the thanks lists on your albums, and it, it was, a, was a big deal. We, we talk, Yeah, we, we did a... Um, <laughs> I think on Thanksgiving one year we did a whole thanks list kind of episode talking about the importance of the thanks lists back in the day. You'd le you'd read all the thanks lists on your favorite albums and get bands off of them and stuff. Um, yeah. And and well, mo yeah. moving along, this is a band I really like because I wasn't aware of this album. Um, I, I may I may have heard of it here or there, but you know, it was honestly new to me. Decomposed from uh, London, England. Uh, with their 1993 album, yeah. Hope Finally Died. Mm -hmm. Really dirty, kind of like, you know, down death doom, um, low end kind of like, not brutal, I guess you would say, but it's like that more kind of visceral death doom um, as opposed to the stuff with, with the yeah. cello like we were talking before. I don't. Are you familiar with Gamora from mm -hmm. the United Kingdom? Uh no, I'm not. I know, I know seeds of Gamora, but not not the not the actual Gamora. I just asked because there was another old school band. Do they sound similar? 
Uh, well, to me, and there's also, I guess, maybe, you know, I'm curious if maybe there's some sort of regional similarity because they're both from the same time period and they're both from the United Kingdom. But regardless, this Decomposed is really cool mm-hmm. shit, man. I noticed they put out a lot of demos and an EP, but this was their only album. And uh, yeah. a Laid to Waste compilation was recently put out in 2021, reissuing some of this stuff properly, I guess, uh, on uh, Candlelight Records. Mm-hmm. So this is this is something really cool to, for people to check out, though, man, because especially in this day and age, it sounds like what a lot of these younger bands might be going for with this kind of like um, uh, down-tempo death doom style, like you were talking about 20 bucks spin and all these labels, not to put anyone down, but this is one of the originators maybe that um, is not given their due all the time. Yeah, like I know Dark Descent did the demos with MSUO on vinyl, which I again, I just thought that, that was badass. Like it's something that didn't really need to be done, but they stepped up to the plate and did it. And they did the same with the EP. Uh, oh crap! I forget what the name of the EP is, but uh, I have it on wax. But I just, I, I, I love it. Like it's just one of those. Just it's only two songs, but it just hits the spot every time I listen to it. But I heard a rumor that maybe, you know, that record will finally, like, get a, a, a proper, like, vinyl reissue, though. Because it definitely deserves one. Because to me, that's, like, one of the best when it comes to, like, Death Doom and stuff. Like, and it's, again, one of those albums where, like, the album art can throw you off. Like, if you're expecting, like, you know, some, like, demon or something, you're looking in the wrong place. Like, you know, to me, this is, like, real sorrow and stuff, like, captured sonically. And I just think it's, you know, very honest music. Because, you know, the UK is such a bleak place. And I I, I feel like it has to have an effect on your, you know, mental state. And I feel like that creates great music. I mean, just look at Birmingham, England, and, you know, Godflesh and Napalm Death, Black Sabbath, like all the talent that just came out of one city that's just kind of a bummer of a city, but has this, you know, knack of making amazing talent. It's just kind of strange because, you know, it's weird where inspiration comes from, but it's trying to take it to places that didn't really expect it to go. Cause like, that's a record where, you know, like you've easily thrown in like classical instruments, but they kept it kind of, you know, just devastating and like, just heavy and yeah gloomy and doomy and to, to me that it just really like i think of like a dark rainy uk like corner when i hear that record and to me if i can visualize like something by just like closing my eyes and letting like the music kind of do its thing and that record has, you know, done something special and to me deserves to be talked about. And that's why I put it on the list. I just really wanted 
to have it mentioned and have people that might be fans of the genre who don't know about that record and maybe it will get that proper reissue and that would be great it's a, uh, definitely a, um, a quality album to check out, man. That might have fallen by the wayside for some people. And there's a little bit of a similarity in style, I felt like, to another one that was on your list, which was this cult classic, uh, the band Worship um, from uh, M- Munich, uh, Germany. Um, last yeah. tape before Doomsday Demo, 1999. Um, this band, and I got this off of Metal Archives, considered to be a cult classic doom act, which was originally known to release their work exclusively on tape and extremely limited vinyl pressings. They had disbanded when drummer slash vocalist named Fucked Up Mad Max committed suicide by jumping from a bridge in Canada. Uh, they reunited a few years later in his honor and released, um... The uh, I guess the final uh, album or unreleased album, but this um, controversy aside, this last tape before Doomsday that you recommended, another kind of crushingly heavy Doom release. Mm-hmm. That that's another one. Like the tape used to come with a razor blade. Like it was a band that took that you know like funeral Doom image seriously and i feel like it really reflects it in its music it's it's bleak it's just miserable again it's everything to me funeral doom kind of should encapsulate i know at times it can be beautiful but i really like the more ugly side of it like you know, because life's not all roses, and as much as we'd like it to be, like, I've had my struggles with, like, bullshit, and, like, you know, I've been, I'm lucky enough to have seen the other side of, like, you know, like, what a needle can do to you, and, like, it's just gnarly stuff, and I always associate funeral doom with it, and I know that's, kind of a negative thing but it shouldn't be because like i never combined the two i just always looked at it as like i'm miserable misery needs company and i might as well enjoy it sonically then bum my friends out and that was what i did like that release right there especially was like kind of a friend of mine for like a couple months like especially in like 2013 and yeah it's just an album that i i never like i always wanted to get like a vinyl copy but again it's one of those discog ones that's just way out of reach and just i'll I'll never have a copy and i'm content with that (laughs) maybe one day we'll get a proper release I well, I got it. Yeah, to me that that's a banger. Yeah, man, and you know it's funny you, you say about the discogs and all that. The one that I think is getting up there on discogs, but I um I was able to actually get an original of this. I, I helped out a friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Mike from Paragon Records. I helped him sort out a whole bunch of his stuff in his uh, his quote unquote warehouse one day, and I was able to take home a few tapes from the collection. And one of them was Deteriorates. 
1993 album Rotting in Hell on cassette, the original JLA America release. So this was one on your list that I'm very familiar with and was able to um, to kind of go off of my own experience. But this is an awesome death. Moving, kind of switching gears from the doom, I would say this is a more straightforward American death metal release for the time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like it, it. they were from Pennsylvania. Uh, it sounds to me a lot more like your straightforward, yeah. like maybe early death um, or like or very early morbid angel and, and uh, like early immolation like when when things were still had their had one foot in thrash metal a little bit but they were getting more brutal type of death mm -hmm. you know death metal vibe like this is just your classic old school death metal uh before things got too tech death or too guttural and brutal for you or whatever this is like it's and it and it's a classic it's i feel like it should come up in conversation more and be celebrated more yeah i absolutely agree like i think it's awesome that the crypt uh the Crypt, uh, Dark Descent, and like uh, I think it's uh, Ancient Ways Mastering. They always reissue that on vinyl with the demos and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just great. Like the, the last time they reissued it, like I remember just like hitting up certain friends that I knew would like it, and I was like, "Yo, like," because I've always had people like asked me to trade them that record and i'm like nah like i can't i can't i can't like nah like just wait like trust me it will get reissued like just give it a little bit and yeah. when it did like i mean that shit sold out fast and then uh somebody did a cassette reissue but i don't remember who it was but i remember seeing um outer heaven one time and their vocalist austin he had a deteriorate shirt and I was like, dude, where did you get that? And he was like, Maryland death fest. And they sold out in like 10 minutes. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, I was like, I guess it is kind of this underground classic where if you know, rotting in hell, you know how good it is already to where if you see that shirt, you're probably going to buy it. If you have the money, Whereas, you know, the, the usual person's probably going to walk right past it huh. or say, oh, that looks cool. But, you know, they might have never heard the band or heard the band when they tried playing black metal, which, I mean, a lot of bands did try doing that, but that was just a sign of the times. But yeah. I really love that record, like just the vocal patterns, because yeah, it has that East Coast kind of like just thrashy, like proto death metal vocal style to it, like just that, like crucify him, crucify him, like I love the way that sounds because it does kind of sound like like Browning or more angel that you yeah say it. yeah that's awesome it's it, it opens up like a whole new aspect to this because i never thought like oh like that's mike that's kind of mike browning morbid angel-esque sounding like that's sick because it, it does have like that thrash vibe which is one of the reasons i love it so much 
So that's awesome. It definitely sounds um, like, one of those things you learn something new every day. It definitely sounds like a, a combination of Florida and, like you said, more like you know Northeast style for the time. Man, it's very tough, but it's also technical and dark. Mm-hmm. It's a really, it's like a perfect death metal record, man. Something that people really need to go out. Um, uh, go go and check out uh, if if they haven't already. And I want I'm just gonna remix your list um, again here because I felt like this was a proper jump here to go from deteriorate to um, the old school band uh, from Poland, Ghost. Not yeah. not the famous commercial band Ghost, obviously, but the old school Polish band Ghost with their album uh, The Lost of Mercy. Which is um, yeah. one of my personal favorites. I believe what was that? Uh, Dark Symphonies. The the Crypt reissued that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, it's it's a, they reissued it kind of recently. Yeah, that's where I got. It. I got it maybe a year or two ago, man. Um, it's been, definitely. A- yeah, that this band they were from Poland. Um, they put out a lot of demos. Um, and they put out The Lost of Mercy in 1994, which is, uh, it's available now for you to get, but this was, um, uh, they, they played a great deal in the early days and opened up for, uh, even Vader and some other bands in Poland, but this album is like, it's an anomaly to me almost for the time because it's brutal and it sounds very Western. It's like, it's competitive. It, you know, it could fit right in there with deteriorate, like we said, or with like early suffocation, um, I would say, or even your old school immolation and, and your incantation, like those type of bands. Um, it, it sounded more American and tough, uh, in a lot of places than it did like European and dark, uh, to just kind of generalize it a little bit. Like even the cover art, like it's kind of like strange, like just like that ghost ship or whatever the hell it is. That's metal font for their logo or anything. Yeah, like just kind of keeping it simple. It it is kind of very thrashy looking. Like if you didn't really know better, like you might like mistaken it for a thrash metal release, but trust me, it's not. Like that is like yeah, that's a total to me that's a sleeper of a death metal record like i think it's that people care enough to reissue it but still i kind of feel like that name just holds them back i mean even from the past like just because like i brought that band up to people and they're like ghost isn't death metal i'm like i'm obviously not talking about that ghost like i'm talking about this ghost and then i'll send them like the link and they're like dude this band's awesome like i've never once gotten somebody be like oh that band sucked it's always you know that band is awesome and you know i stand by that like that's one of those albums when people are like you know like when they start because I feel like some people, it takes them a while to get out of listening to kind of your run-of-the-mill death metal bands. Like, I, I, kind of your just top-of-the-mountain death metal bands. Like, they're yeah. kind of scared to get down towards the more grimy stuff. And 
to me, that's where literally like where the slime lives. Like that's where huh. all, all the real, real good flickers. And I feel it's worth seeking out. And that ghost record in particular, it's worth the fruits of your labor, like seeking it out and listening to it. It, it definitely still kicks ass. I think it holds up today. And yeah, like it's definitely very Western sounding. And at the same time, you know, it, I just, I love the, I love the production. Honestly, it just has this like production to it. I, I can't, it has like this organic, like, warm sounding production. Well, that I just, I don't know, I just happen to like just the way it sounds. Some, something I've talked about on the podcast a lot is how a lot of these bands, um, you know, from Poland, uh, from from the Czech Republic, from, from areas um, in the early 90s that didn't necessarily have like the state-of-the-art technology and recording metal and experienced metal producers, they put out some amazing albums um, that reflect performance and and rehearsal and the tightness of the band more than any kind of production magic. You know, in other words, you might not have the sickest guitar mm -hmm. tones and different pedals and effects on all the guitars and the lead parts and stuff like that. You might not have highly triggered drums and everything. But a lot of these bands made up for what the, what the studio couldn't give them by just being really tight and and putting their all into the composition. And this is a definite example of that. Really great band. Yeah. Um, Cause I really feel like that work ethic, uh, I wish that work, that work ethic really was more of a Western thing back during that time period, because during like, like 1994 death metal was kind of, it was almost at this like weird apex where you started having major label attention and all this stuff. And like now you start hearing rumors from certain, you know, high, like, like producers and stuff that were famous back in the nineties about certain bands, not being able to play their own songs and having to use like the sampled drum kit to like finish certain songs that the band couldn't even play them themselves you know all it really takes is a lot of practice like even every time i've ever been in the studio like i always felt like we busted our ass before going in there like you know it was a lot of work and i always treated that time you know like that was that wasn't time to really goof around or anything like you know, like, let's just get the work and get this shit out of the way and, you know, hear how it sounds. Well, you, you talk... But, you, but that's just me. You talk about, um, you know, your bands. I do want to plug, before we get out of here, I want to plug Accursed Womb and your most recent release. Uh, but before we do that, there's just one more band on this list before we transition. And it's a great band to leave off on because it's really eccentric and interesting. And it's one I have seen live. I and mean, I'm familiar with the album. You wanted to talk, uh, lastly, about Bird Flesh. Uh, Night of the Ultimate Mosh from 2018. I believe they're from the Czech Republic. No, uh, or no, are they? They're, they're Swedish, right? I think they're Swedish. Yeah, Swedish bird flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're Swedish. that's right. They're they always 
Yeah, they're Swedish. They always play that uh, Czech Republic festival. Uh, uh, obscene Extreme. Yeah, and they go. They would go great with all those bands too. I'm sure. I saw them at St. Vitus in Brooklyn a few years ago, and it was nuts. I mean, they they had all these crazy balloons and blow up dolls. They were wearing masks and costumes and what like really eccentric, yeah. spastic <laughs> grindcore band. But when you listen to that album they display like these really eccentric bursts of talent you know they'll they'll come out of nowhere with this like kind of almost symphonic type of riff or something you know and then go back into the blur grindcore it's crazy like they it's like every once in a while they remind you that what the, you know yeah. they they're capable of much more it's almost in a weird way it's got its moments of like being progressive for a grindcore album yeah it's it's definitely ahead of its time in my opinion and another one of those kind of overlooked like oh it's just a gimmick band but like to me it's a classic like uh i remember um everlasting spew was going to send me the new lord gore lp and uh i talked to a buddy of mine who plays in a band of theirs and i was like hey can you see if they could send me a bird flesh night of the ultimate mosh instead? Like, I mean, I, I have the Lord Gore on tape, but I've always wanted that record on vinyl and that showed up at my house. I was like, Holy shit. Huh. And then like, just like reading the lyrics and just the, like, because I remember that was one of the, first band i ever saw on youtube like they actually had a music video on youtube and i used to watch it all the time like back during like youtube's kind of inception there, there were like cause I, I remember like searching really hard to find uh like footage of necrophagus playing like death crystal mountain and stuff like just like spending like hours trying to like hunt down these like clips of like just barely like visible footage but i didn't care at the time because you know it wasn't like i was buying some vhs bootleg with this quality of footage on it but for flesh like just like finding out like what the, I forget what concert the Night of the Ultimate Mosh is actually about. It's like some 80s pop singer. And, like, I guess, like, all the punkers in the town got together at this, like, 80s pop concert and had the Night of the Ultimate <laughs> Mosh whatever that means but i guess they had a good time i guess it's a concept they wrote album a good record out of it it's a concept album i guess kind of i guess <laughs> at least that song cuz like there's a write up about like like the title and stuff and like going to this like concert and it being a big deal in their country i forget the artist's name but like they mentioned how, like, it was kind of a big deal that she was playing in Sweden. And, like, so them and all their friends, like, went to this show. And I guess they just got loose <laughs> and created the Night of the Ultimate Mosh. But musically, it's another one. Like, to me, always, like, like the way that they switch vocalists up, too, I always 
respected and just like how fast their drummer like blasts sometimes and like still does his vocals like anytime a drummer i see like that's you know a really really good dr- grind drummer also like nailing the vocals I- i'm just instantly impressed like when i saw jarhead fertilizer in december i was just blown away with david's performance behind the drum kit and with his vocals it was just like hell yeah like this rules like i love this shit and again it's one of those things where sometimes i feel like how heavy the music is kind of drowns out how talented those guys are as musicians and whatnot like just to even like able to blast and keep like those types of vocal patterns going like that's just no that's no joke like i have nothing but respect for that but well that's i don't know it's just something that i always tip my hat to there's another similarity there to one of the first bands we talked about tonight macabre with bird flesh how their sense of humor and their kind of quirkiness that they have about with how they present their music sometimes overshadows like their actual talent and discipline with their with their performance mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um it's like so- a double-edged sword kind of i guess like even that band ghost like and uh all that like i'm sure those guys have songs that are pretty like decent <laughs> i remember their demo like fenris is the reason that band even blew up i mean i'm sure i he probably played a show with them before like you never know with wearing the masks and shit but i just think it's kind of funny like on a long enough timeline it all goes back to fenris's blog and (laughs) lee doran like you know somebody that at one point was on the bbc yelling you know napalm death lyrics which I think is awesome, the way things kind of go full circle sometimes. 100%. Because, like, Lee, at one point, I'm sure he thought, oh, I'll never have anything to do with music again. And then, you know, he runs a a successful record label, and, you know, I'm pretty sure Rise Above is, like, a sub-label of, metal bullied and that's great for Lee. i mean cool yeah yeah i mean uh, he's to me he's one of my favorite like with napalm death mostly (laughs) i I love early napalm death yeah man um so good yeah definitely man i mean i I don't really listen to a lot of ghost man i you know it's not my my that, that actually I just I I heard the demo a couple times and the first full length, but nothing past that, and that just sounded like Blue Oyster Cult, and yeah, I was like, yeah, it is what it is. I get why people like them. Well, I I didn't like. I grew up, you know, Mastodon. Like to me, Mastodon. I never thought that band would, you know 
be on the Grammys or anything until they wrote Leviathan. And I remember that buddy of mine that worked at Relapse, he got that Leviathan promo by Mastodon. And Relapse used to make these, like, 99-track promos so you couldn't, like, burn them. And uh, I just remember hearing, like, Blood and Thunder for the first time and being like, all right, this is the biggest band on the planet. Like, just give it three years, like, guaranteed. And then, like, I remember driving with a friend of mine, and I kind of recognized the vocals, and I was like, there's no way. And then, uh, like, the DJ was like, oh, that was Mastodon with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Like, Mastodon's on the radio? And the kid, like, looked at me like I was stupid. He's like, dude, Mastodon's huge. And I, I honestly didn't know. I was like, wow, like, wow, like, that's, that's awesome. Like, good for them. Because I remember when they were playing bars. And I had to sneak in because I wasn't 21. Like, it's crazy the way the music industry picks and chooses what they want people to, you know, listen to sometimes. And that's why I love death metal so much. Well, on on that note, let's... you know, we kind of can listen to whatever we want. I was going to say on that that note, speaking back, you know, getting back to death metal, uh, before we close out for the night, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about your band, Accursed Womb. Accursed Womb, to me, it's trying to, like, at first, like, kind of stuff, it was definitely more like straight up incantation trips meets like Beharit type stuff. And it was fun and all, but like we all knew like we were capable of kind of, because I, I was really into this band from Pennsylvania in like the um, late, well, mid late 2000s called Tapos Gnomes and Caligari did like one of their tapes Hammerheart reissued it the rest of everything lies death it's called and there's like vocals on there that have kind of like that Beharit time ghoul type of like spoken word very deep vocal like delivery and like we found on these parts where that style of vocal fit very, very well. And we just decided, you know, like all these death metal bands were like making like tie dye t-shirts and like just stuff that we were kind of like, ah, dude, like that's, that's kind of goofy. Like, like, I don't know. Like maybe I would have wore that in 2004 or something. Like just something where, it all comes down to me honestly taking shit too seriously sometimes. And after I broke my neck, I kind of felt like I had something to prove to these doctors also that were telling me, oh, you'll never do those types of vocals again. And I remember one day, like, my guitar player showing up with, uh, like, the recording of my neck brace on still, and I just held that bad boy away from my, like, throat. 
and delivered some of, like, legitimately the most painful, like, real vocals I've ever delivered. And, like, I even said, I was like, this is the last time, like, I'm writing anything really fantasy-related. I want to write more real-life shit, like, like, it'll be fun maybe every now and again to, like, you know, bring up, like, the more fictionalized aspect of the band, but, like, a lot of our new, new material, like, we have a three-way split coming out in, uh, I'm not sure when, but it's on Stump Grinder Records with a band called, uh, Cursed from Philly and Atomic Crichtons from Philly, or Atomic Cretans, I'm not sure how they pronounce it but uh they're like more uh well cursed is like straight up like death metal and uh atomic cretans kind of sound like venom on steroids like they have a cool like metal punk sound but then we're playing this like kind of dirty really dirty grimy sleazy evil death metal that i feel like doesn't I mean, it's there through bands like Stitch and Black Hand messes with and stuff like that. Like, just to me, I I feel like the $80, like, sunglass, $120 fake mullet, it's just that that's not, like, I don't know. Like, I get the whole, like, big sunglasses, cool band. Like, I get the Fenris quote. And, like, it's cool and all, but that's just not me. Like, I, I mean, a lot of those bands are really good, and I like when they're really good. But when I hear, like, straight-up mediocrity and I see all this, like, hype, it's like, dude, like, really? Like, you're sleeping on this band because you love this? Like, I'd ra- I'm one of those people where I'd rather just listen to the real thing which is why I wanted to make my own obscure style of death metal, and I feel that's the direction we're going with A Cursed Womb is more down that route of, like, kind of taking, not taking ourselves too seriously, but just, like, taking just the art of performing death metal just a little bit more with sincerity and just with love of the art. I just, I just love when I nail a vocal part. It makes me feel good. It's like hell yeah! Like when when you're in the studio and you're like, yo, like let me just try this one thing, and it's that one thing that fits the puzzle that was missing. Like it was the missing puzzle piece the whole time, and it just dials the song in. Like, I love that feeling. And whenever people are like, dude, like your vocals are sick. I'm like, you know, like, thank you. Like I worked on those for a very long time, like with a long break in between 2007 and 2019, like definitely a long time, like from being in the recording studio so, like, that alone was intimidating, and then getting offered that pharmacist spot. Like, one of my favorite new bands offering me a vocal spot on their new record, to me, was just, like, wow. Like, 
all right, I'm doing something right, like, because I'll be on the new pharmacist full length, which they just announced like a week ago uh, on Hell's Headbangers. So that's really awesome. I'm happy, like, just I'm honored to be on the record with a band that, you know, is one of my current favorites. And yeah, like, they're when they're tied because otherwise. Like their vinyl and stuff's kind of expensive, but yeah, one of those bands like that dude, like the early carcass pathologist worship so well, and just to me, like, yeah, it's just everything I possibly could want from like a carcass. Like, I don't even want to call them a carcass clone because they're really not, they kind of have their own thing at this point where. Some of it's carcass and pathologist, but some of it's now straight up pharmacist. And yeah, like I really loved the song they sent over, and I think everybody else is going to also. So the new and the I was new just pharmacist of all the people they could pick. So all right, so the new pharmacist, um, and also the the Crown of Piss demo is the new demo by Accursed Womb. People can find all the Accursed Womb material on uh, Bandcamp. You have a Bandcamp for that project. Crown of Piss is the latest one from 2022. Um, and of course, I'll give you the opportunity to plug anything else you got going on um, uh, before we get out. But any, you know, um, I know you said you were working on a zine coming up. I don't know if you just want to plug that too. Yeah, um, it's something I'd always I always wanted to do, and I just figured, you know what, like, like let's do it. I kind of want to start shooting with like film again, and even if that's like just getting a Kodak point and click like camera to start, I'm cool with that. But like, I just would like to do a nice copy and paste. Let me be a little fancy to start called Primitive Pathology Publishing. And from there, just, you know, have fun with it and see what happens. Like, because I always wanted to, you know, like, have my own, like, kind of, like, side distro type deal. And, like, I always wanted to kind of just be more in control of my love of like just turning people on to this type of music because sometimes it's it's like job and I don't I don't care because I love doing this like because like on on like youtube and stuff like there's certain like words that you can't say and like if you say them god forbid your video gets like age restricted and it's just like i'm trying to just share this music with people like come on like give me a break like this video is four years old and you just noticed it today like come on like i, I get it's all algorithmic or whatever whatever but you know, it is what it is, but I'm just glad to be making tunes again. Like, we have a fake, uh, well, it's not fake anymore, but the name kind of is silly. It's called a uh, Goat Worm, 
the worm is with a U with two dots over the uh, U. But uh, it started as like a joke gore grind band. And then I was like, yeah, take, take the pitch shifter off. I wanted to try the vocals and like more like Pig Destroyer meets like that, uh, dead infection type way. And it sounded sick as hell. And we like just put out uh, 25 tapes. And I think we still have some CDs available. But like we really just like banged it out in like one afternoon like again i just held the neck brace away from my neck and like we didn't tell people we were involved we used like fake names and everything and like kind of and we did the same thing with this fake like dungeon synth black metal project we had called frog mist (laughs) is kind of real kind of isn't like part of it's like a total joke and it's a joke that's been running since uh relapse still had uh the um like the actual catalogs that they would mail out because in the staff pick section my friend would make up like five bands because we knew people would go like looking up like the staff picks and stuff and but one day we came up with frog mist and we, we, like, wrote that they were, like, some black, obscure black metal band. And we just figured all these black metal kids would be going looking for this band called Frog Mist that doesn't really exist. But we did, like, kind of a compilation of anything, like, black metal related we ever had done. And, again, we did, like, a really limited, like, DIY tape of it. And that's the same with, like, the new Accursed Womb. We just 100% did it DIY. But um, there's a label right now doing 500 of our demo compilation on CD. It's, like, Vaquero Blast Productions. It's, like, V-Y-R-K-O Blast Productions. They're, like, a label. I think they're from Indonesia, but they were like, hey, we'll do your CD with an eight-page, like, inlay and stuff. And we were like, yeah, as long as we can pick the color scheme. And they said, yeah, and that that should be available right now, actually. Okay. But uh, well, I probably should have wrote the info down. Well, people can look up. It's a, all good. People can look up a cursed womb. Uh, like I said, on Bandcamp, yeah. they can look up your stuff. Um, and if they want to follow you on Instagram, that's primitive pathologist underscore. And you also have the vital vinyl vlog on uh, on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we'll be on the lookout for your zine, man. I thank you very much for giving us your time tonight uh, and talking about all those classic. Thank you. Not only all those classic death metal albums, but all those crazy stories of yours, man. We're glad you're doing all right and you're able to <laughs> record vocals and stuff hey. now, man. I'm, you know, I'm sorry for your troubles, but at least we still got you here. Um, uh, you know, just despite all those injuries and shit you had to go through, bro. Um, uh, but any uh, just parting words and parting messages for your friends in the underground scene and listeners of our show? Uh, I just think everybody out there. Like, I know we've all been through some hard times. I just feel like you should never really give up. Like, to quote Gummo, 
And I know that's not really the best film to quote, but life's beautiful. Really, it is filled with beauty and illusion. Life's great. Without it, you'd be dead. And being dead sucks. And nobody wants to be dead. So, you know, sometimes you might not... Like, you know, life may not be go- might not be going your way, but that's what a band like Necropsy Odors for. Put that demo on, and, you know, <laughs> I wish I could still bang my head, but bang your head for me. You know, like, just, you know, keep death metal alive and well, and just keep it gross and keep it fun. As long as you're having fun, that's really all that matters. Like, if you're not having fun anymore, maybe it's time to look around and reevaluate the situation. But that's just me. I mean, I I love this stuff. Wow. Death metal is always there for you. Uh, It's something that somebody said to me once, man. And that's, I I like that sentiment, man. Thanks. Well, Snow, thank you very much. I would like to say thank you to Will for always being super cool. Because you've always been real cool to me, and I always appreciate that. Like, whenever I'd see you at a show, you'd always stop and say hi and stuff. And always thought that was always cool. And, you know, to be on the podcast, it means a lot. So, thank you. I, I appreciate it a lot. No, thank you for your time, brother. We, I appreciate it, man, and I always appreciate your support and everyone else's support uh, who's out there going to shows and, and listening to the podcast, man. So thank you, and I, I like I said, I urge people to check out Accursed Womb and your Vital Vinyl Vlog and follow you on Instagram um, and all that sort of thing and be on the lookout for what you got next, man. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch when this episode goes up, brother. You have a good night. All right, you too, bro. Peace. shout out to Schnell, man. Thanks for uh, coming into the Heavy Old Podcast to talk shop. Talk a little bit of death metal. Talk about his band Accursed Womb and his Vital Vinyl Vlog. Um, remember everybody to go check all that stuff out that we talked about, man. Go to our website heavyholepodcast.com. Check us out on Patreon for extra content. Uh, be sure to check out that voicemail number wherever you're listening to this and on our website. Leave us a voicemail and I'll get in touch. Thanks, thanks a lot to everybody. There thanks we go. to yeah, Justin we- and Tom. Thanks to Schnell and uh, everybody have a great night, man. Just want to give a quick shout out to to uh, the people over there at the Island Thrift, supplying us with the nice T-shirts. And I I'll can't pull. turn them off. <laughs> we, we still got some uh, T-shirt patches over at HeavyHolePodcast.com. Um, get them. You know, I know I've been late on shipping them out. I'm sorry, I've been listening to Stone Temple Pilots, but now that's over. I'm only um, I'm only shipping them out now. Resume because I only, please. I only have how many jobs do I have now? One. <laughs>